Hi everyone, welcome to episode 8 of our Doorways to Sustainable Schools podcast. My name is Martin Crabb and I'm Head of Geography at Glebe School, a great school in the London Borough of Bromley. I'm also Chair of the London Sustainable Schools Forum. The idea of this podcast is to look at practical ways that can help schools become more sustainable places. If you're in a London school, we hope it will help you engage in London Climate Action Week. In each episode, we'll tell you inspirational stories from people or groups in London. They've been chosen to encourage us all to develop our own response to London Climate Action Week. Today, I'm at City Hall in London, also known as the Mayor's Office or the Greater London Authority, sometimes shortened to GLA. My guest is Annette Figueredo. She describes herself as a bureaucrat, but I've known her for quite a while now and I promise you she is way more than that. I've had the honour of working with Annette on some great school projects, including Water for Schools, the Schools Air Quality Forum, and most recently on a brilliant guidance document for schools on climate resilience. We plan to do the interview on Potter's Field, outside of GLA, but rain stopped play. We had to go inside. So the recording is quite echoey, but I promise you it won't stop you being blown away by Annette. Enjoy. Um, well, first of all, thanks, Martin. Thanks for uh, inviting me to do this podcast, something I've not done before. So it's a little bit of an adventure for me. Um, as you say, we've known each other a long time and uh, it, it, we've worked collaboratively and it's it's great to have had you involved in our work as well. You're, yeah, a real, you're a real test for us with the outside world and with the work we do in schools as well. And so in terms of how I got involved in uh, the GLA, so I came from the charity sector, the third sector. Okay. My passion has always been um, trying to make a difference. So I've always been driven by a sense of social justice, um, both in terms of social and health policy work and delivery, but I'd never worked on environmental work. And the opportunity came and there was a job at City Hall and I uh, knew a little bit about the environment, but not that much. Okay, when when was that? That was 14 years ago. Okay, wow. Yeah, but the focus of the role was very much about integrating health and social policy into environmental policy work. So I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to give it a try, and I did. And interestingly enough, um, my kind of tenure uh, in uh, previous roles has been six years on average. So this is the longest time. So that was kind of how I got into City Hall. Uh, What I do at City Hall um, is working in the environment team. Right. So, uh, yeah, I've been working uh, at the uh, GLA for 14 years. I've straddled three mayoral administrations. Okay. (laughs) So it's been really interesting. Uh, Two Labour, one Conservative. And so it's been very interesting to see where environment sits in those administrations. And I have to say, in all those administrations, it has been very much part of the delivery mechanism. That's really interesting. But in terms of priority, uh, it has changed with the different mayors. Um, So my specific role at the GLA is currently working on managing heat risk in London. So I lead on that policy area. But I have straddled other policy areas and deliveries, you know, Martin. Mm. Um, So I've worked in the air quality team and I've also worked in the water team. Uh, And interesting enough, in the air quality and the water team, I worked on schools delivery work. So in terms of water, it was water for schools where we worked together. That's where we first met. Yep, it was fantastic. 
<laughs> lovely, yeah. And all the challenges we had as yeah, a project steering yeah. group, the challenges we had with I mean, other organisations. It was it, that was my first experience working it, with that kind of um, partnership um, right. program, right? And I, I found that fascinating as well, just just being involved. And um, initially, I found it just really exciting coming up to City Hall to the GLA. Just it's, it's an exciting building. But after, you know, it was every two weeks, wasn't it? That it we was. used to come up. It just became almost like a place of work for me yeah. as well. But it, I love that project. Yeah, um, it was great. And I think what was great about it, one was one was the partnership, the collaborative working mm. between ourselves, the Environment Agency, Thames Water, yeah. you representing the school sector yeah. and the London Sustainability uh, Schools Forum. And we had an external consultant, if you remember. Yeah. And we, we worked really well. Um, so the partnership was was fantastic, but I think the really important thing for me was um, really wanting to deliver this um, this policy drive about how we make schools much more water efficient yes. and how we kind of really work with the kids and through the curriculum and how we make a difference. So it was one of those um, uh, projects where we worked from translating a policy that the mayor had at the time into d- delivery mechanism, yeah. working collaboratively, engaging with the end user, yeah. i.e. the kids. And that was fantastic. Um, example of how you can kind of really make things work and really involve those at the grassroots. The engagement was really, really Yeah, and it had a massive effect on my school. It was a, you know, we we had that giant water bus. I don't know how big it was, like a a million litres or something. Um, and it, we, we used it in videos. The kids watered the garden from it, and it was connected to our toilet. And it was it was inspirational. Not everybody liked the look of it. No. Some, some <laughs> thought it was pretty ugly. I loved yes. it. It was like a, a water butt that could teach you because it had pipes going to the toilet. And every time it rained, the kids would watch it filling up, and it was brilliant. The caretaker was involved. It was great. But sadly, we had to lose it when we yeah. got a new building. It didn't yeah. work. And I know. It, some of those were there were some sort of practical problems in yes. school which we yeah. learned from yeah there? absolutely and uh, yeah we did learn it didn't all go to plan but mm. we learned but uh, hopefully the education elements stayed yeah, in terms right. of how you can recycle water yeah, why we need to uh, and the kind of conservation element yeah. as well as the climate change but what was lovely yes yeah, so sitting here at city hall you know uh, delivering this policy area and then hearing the stories from yourself seeing the photos it was it made it alive it really got it alive and real and so for me the really fundamental thing I remember as a child uh, the Keep Britain Tidy campaign and that stuck with me so Mm. now I cannot drop a piece of paper even like when I'm tempted I don't and that's what you'd hope with projects like Water for Schools that kids will really that it may uh, you may have had to kind of uh, take down the water bus etc but you hope that it would have stayed with them. They'd yeah. talk to their parents, their grandparents, their families, their friends, you know, and that's what the education element from uh, translating a policy into delivery and the education element, how yeah, you sustain I, that's, that. It's I really think that's important. a really nice way of selling it, saying it as well, because in some ways you could see because the water but left that was the that the project didn't work because of the hard infrastructure if you like yeah but it really did it had a yeah. few, I mean it worked in the sense I got to know you and got yeah. to know got involved more there but it also in our schools it had a big impact on a whole range of things and um yeah I, I never thought of it that way though that's really yeah. really yeah. interesting and, and the same you know more recently working on the air quality schools program mm. and the nurseries program I mean that started again I was going to say 
Do you, you want know? to maybe tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, program? sure. Because that is amazing. So that's an interesting one because that started as a manifesto commitment. So the genesis right. for that work, unlike the, the Water for Schools, was around a policy area yeah. which sat in the London Plan and the London Environment okay. Strategy. So it kind of came a bit later in the administration of the, the, the mayor at the time. The air quality um, audits and the nursery audits, the genesis for that work has come from the manifesto commitment. So when this current mayor uh, uh, started kind of lobbying, one of his uh, manifesto commitments was that he was going to improve London's air, clean up the air that children breathe on their route to and from school. So it sits very very firmly. Absolutely. And with this administration, he's really taken it as a public health. Yeah. issue. So yeah. he converted it from, you know, yes, it's a problem, as previous mayors did, recognising it, to actually this is a public health issue. Yeah. And he's gone for the evidence base. So we work very closely with the scientists, public health practitioners, to actually say there is evidence. We know that poor air quality contributes to uh, poor outcomes for children, and particularly children from deprived communities. Yeah. It exacerbates inequalities. And um, it, we know it's, it, we know it's evidence based, and it has the potential to, without putting a too fine a point on it, to kill, yeah. you know, premature deaths, yeah. particularly in, in in children. So having got uh, having got that manifesto commitment, uh, uh, no no sooner had this mayor come into the administration in um, May. In the following uh, September, uh, between September and January, the mayor was lobbied a lot by Greenpeace and by head teachers, saying, "You said you were going to do this. It's a new manifesto commitment. We want to see some action." Well, that's great, though. Actually, yeah. that they did take that seriously. Absolutely. If it yeah. hadn't been for the head teachers, yeah. it wouldn't Is have that got right? pushed. That's yeah. really there were fifty teachers, I think, who signed a petition. Did they? And they basically kind of put it very firmly that yeah. it's killing our yeah. children and we need to do something about this. The Wonderful. mayor couldn't um, turn his back. I mean, he 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 would have delivered, but mm. it kind of precipitated, if you like, his delivery. Yeah, of course. So I remember and it in was some just... ways it, it, it proves his point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's in his manifesto because he feels it's important, and then fifty head teachers saying they feel it's important proves his point. You absolutely, know, and it also proves the point that actually, whilst the mayor is powerful, he's no more powerful than his constituents yeah, and Londoners. Yeah. And so he would probably Londoners... agree with that. With yeah, and he did. He knew he was accountable yeah, to yeah. the people who elected him and to Londoners so he responded but it was interesting because it was around Christmas time and uh, our mayoral advisor kind of said you know the mayor it got a lot of press attention actually and so the mayoral advisor said we've got to start working on this so bang went the uh, Christmas holidays basically Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Christmas was cancelled Christmas was cancelled yeah (laughs) Christmas day was all right but the rest of it was cancelled so Transport for London were commissioned or summoned to kind of start providing all the data so they collect all like the exposure emissions data yeah, exactly <laughs> whichever way you look at it yeah. and we sat here uh, in the new year uh, not New Year's Day I have to say and we started working out how we were going to deliver this programme we got the money from yeah. the budget yeah. uh, it was 250k yeah. we knew we couldn't do every school in London yeah. so we had to come up with a methodology yeah. we knew at that time we were still in Europe so it said it still had its baseline for exceedance and so we kind of got together a methodology basically and we when had you say to, we who do you mean the, the, the environment team transport for london transport for london and ourselves yeah. the environment right. team yeah. um and we started kind of working out how we were going to cut this budget yeah. who we were going to deliver to where the yeah. priority areas yeah. were and so we focused on the highest air quality exposure areas yeah. 
40 milligrams above, which was yeah. the kind of EU limit. The World Health Organization was even higher. We focused on PM uh, 2.5 and 2.10, but right. mainly 2.10. And we learned from that, actually, because when we came to the nursery program yeah. a couple of years later, we realized it's not the uh, it's not the type of particle, it's the size. Is that right? Yeah. So 2.5 is so tiny, and it's the tiny particles that lodge into the lungs of very oh, little right. kids. Yeah. And particularly if they're in prams, it is, you know, positioned near exhaust pipes or, yeah. or by by buses yeah. at bus stops. So that's what kind of the learning was. But that's that is how the air quality schools problem came about. And as a result, one of the things that happens with the GLA is we we do have uh, we have the genesis of our work, which is a manifesto commitment or strategies. Uh, we don't have a lot of money, mm. but we have the branding. Yeah. So our approach is to um, yeah, we've got the and you evidence. Have the, pull, the pulling power, don't yes, you? Yes, absolutely. It's something that GLA is involved with, people want to be involved. Yes, with. absolutely, and yeah. they feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. So we have the policy, we have the evidence, we have the research. We then carve out a delivery mechanism using a methodology very often, yeah. um, and then we pilot. We know we don't have a lot of money, so 250k to do an X number of audits in all the schools in London is not possible. Yeah. So we piloted 50 schools, and that's yeah. what we do. We test out the pilot. And the 50 schools were chosen by those 50 angry head teachers? Or? <laughs> no, some angry head teachers, but we had some nice ones. We thought we'd mix it a little yeah, bit. Okay. You know, we didn't want to have too so many So did you angry use teachers. numbers to decide? So or? it's a very good point. We had to make sure it was transparent, fair, and consistent. Course, yeah. So we, we did the methodology, and we looked at all those schools in each borough, in the 33 boroughs, which were in these high exceedancy areas. Right. And we then um, came up Were with they a, in a few boroughs, or was it scattered right across, right across London? Right yeah. across. Some had one school, yeah. and some had five or six right, schools. Right. So we came up with a template which had a criteria, and there were seven different things we were asking for. Um, and then we asked the boroughs. We, we had a borough air quality network, which is another really fantastic thing if you set those up already. Yeah. We set, came up with the criteria. We engaged the boroughs and we said, look, this is a criteria. We would like you to pick two schools out of the list we've got for your borough. And the, these are the exceedances. So mm. say in one borough they had five, they may have had two over 40 and three under. But actually, they may have decided to go for the three under because the two were already doing work. Okay, yeah, So you yeah. got them so, to decide okay, as long as they knew yeah. visually what the data was telling them. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it varied on the number of pupils yeah. as well, that kind of thing. So we got the boroughs to decide which of the two schools That's they great. wanted us to select. Yeah, because I guess maybe some schools, if they knew they're in an absolutely awful area, might have just gone on and started to do it on their own yeah and we did get a little bit of backlash from some schools saying we don't want you to expose us please oh, really? please don't tell us yeah this was, don't forget this was like about four years ago where yeah. air quality was still a bit misunderstood yeah. and it wasn't quite convincing and some schools were thinking well if you're going to expose us we're we're going to go down and, and parents won't want to send their kids here and that oh, kind of thing terrible isn't yeah, it so that's, that i guess that's thing. the world's worry yeah. do you think that's better now then Definitely. Definitely. Brilliant. I mean, absolutely, we get very few schools who don't recognise there's a problem. Fantastic. There may be some schools who say, uh, we don't have the capacity to deal with this, mm. um, but every school will acknowledge that they have a most... Uh, anyway, I can't say for every, that's probably an exci no. exaggeration, but all the schools we work with, and certainly the correspondence the mayor gets from children, um, it, it's all about, we know there's a problem. So the children write to the mayor. 
all the time. And the, right. you know the really annoying thing? Yeah. Sorry, children, that we have to make sure we respond to every letter from every child. Oh, and so we might get 50 you children. You shouldn't have said that on the We've got 50 children. And sometimes I think, do you know what? Um, I love you guys, but at this point I really don't love you because we've got to respond. That yeah, it's the mayor's really. commitment right. to children that he will sign every letter. And he will expect us to address every mm. child that writes in. I mean, that's great. I mean, I think uh, two teachers out there just have some respect for people here. And then, yes, we're not so quite bureaucrats. It is tempting to just get everyone just to write to you, but, yeah. but you've just come to a grinding halt, yeah. wouldn't you? So yeah. I think, yeah, so that's lovely, though, if it's really important to mm. a school that they can and do that. It's great that um, the kids are so... Um, insightful and so aware and that gives us huge joy because we've seen that grow over the period of the programme and the projects we've really seen that grow and ultimately they are the future generation they are the ones we need to really work with so it's it's a huge joy to actually see that on a serious note it is I mean there are ambassadors and we found that with water for schools we found that with air quality for schools we always say that as well whenever um, you can talk about I can talk about the projects at my school and we can make them sound great and you know teachers are good at that we can have lovely pictures on the slideshow and so on it's when the te- the kids turn up and they talk about the project and they show it. You that's when teachers are won over other people, and it's also when you actually believe what, yeah. what you see because yeah. the kids don't lie; they tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, some of them are getting quite good at you know telling, <laughs> give, yeah. But um, no, it is lovely though. It is absolutely lovely, and uh, unprecedented was the fact that um, this mayor for the uh, school and the nurseries program attended every event. And wow, so he great. really, um, and he doesn't, he honestly doesn't, mm. he just doesn't have the capacity, but he prioritises yeah. and he really wanted it to makes, meet the kids. It does make a difference because our kids came up to um, the marketplace where you, you sell vegetables uh, on the ground floor of City Hall and it's amazing. And they met the previous mayor and the current mayor there and they, we still have the photos. Really? The kids are so excited. Are they? They? Yeah, they're oh. so excited. And and you almost forget that as a teacher. You just forget right. how important that is. But right. yeah, so that is lovely that he's doing that. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And he all, whenever we've done events, be it the launch of the event or halfway through the programme, we kind of had an event in, and they've always been in schools. Uh, to tell tell the public what mm. was happening uh, and then the closure of the schools program and then the launch of the nurseries program the mayor has always wanted us to have kids there yeah so right. he's always said i want the kids there as yeah. well uh, which has been fantastic as well so um, no it's been absolutely fantastic that program um, and then um, whilst we are talking about schools and we are talking about young people um i i w- we mustn't forget that climate change has a uh, has the potential to impact on lots of different vulnerable groups. Mm. The children are one group, and that's because they can't easily Mm. respond or prepare or recover. And the other end, of course, is older people, and we've seen that during COVID. Uh, And there are very huge similarities between how we prepare, recover and respond to a pandemic to how we would um, prepare and uh, respond and recover to a climate change event. So, so do you think there are similarities between how you you were beginning to think about air quality um, and, and air pollution to the way that um, you were talking about 
COVID or has it be, is it more climate change that's making similarities or, or, or both? I think both. Yeah. I think both. I think um, we're not necessarily prepared yeah. for climate change. We're yeah. certainly not prepared for a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there was the same air quality. You know, if we ha- we've, we've got better in London because we do the alerts. Yeah. We tell people well in advance we're going. It's going to be poor air quality. Prepare yourself. So, and that's been really uh, um, trailblazed by this administration. Yeah. I mean, other administrations did sure, do stuff, sure. but this is this administration because it's taken much more of a public health angle on climate change. It it recognises that we do need to prepare people, mm. Londoners, so the messages go out. So it is about preparing. It is about responding in a measured, timely manner. And it is about recovering as mm. well. We see that with flood risk. It's the recovery element that's yeah, kind so of a big thing. I, I mean, this, sort of, this probably is a perfect time then to start talking about um, this new report, the new guidance mm-hmm. document. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I read it in, in some detail mm. um, and I, I found it absolutely brilliant. And I, I told you that. And I, I thought there were lots of reasons why I liked it. I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it, it kind of gave me hope. Right. And the reason I liked it was, for me, it, it was practical. And I'll get you to talk about it, obviously, in a sec. But it, I found it a practical, useful tool that didn't pretend there, wasn't, there weren't big risks coming up and that, you know, that are very likely to happen, but offered schools solutions that um, were doable, mm. I guess. Mm. And um, but, it ba- but based on obviously plainly a massive amount of work it to me it felt like there must have been so much work that gone in to create that document but in the end you had I mean it's still a fairly lengthy document but it's really easy to read and with some I thought quite exciting solutions um, and you know maybe talk about a bit later how schools can develop those but how, how did that where did that who started that how did that come about why was that the focus and mm. you know uh, well, you're very self-deprecating, Martin, because your input and the input of the external validators was was brilliant. Oh, thank, you know, it really, you. really helped to I'm shape. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it really helped to shape the. Um, the guidance and and one thing that I will say is that the GLA has the branding um, but we can't work on our own Mm. we have to work collaboratively we have to work with partners is what we've already mentioned in terms of water for schools and this was another yet another example of that so in terms of where it came from so the genesis for this was in the London environment strategy we have the mayor has said that he will Um, one of his policy areas is to protect critical infrastructure and people in the context of climate change and prepare them for climate change. So the the critical infrastructure we have worked with so far are schools and care homes and we will work with hospitals. But there are also other areas such as our transport systems, our kind of procurement chains, Mm. etc. But my area of work has worked it's focused on these these particular the school, areas, schools, the and, schools care and care homes, yeah, and, really and, uh, and how timely, you yeah, know, COVID taught us those were the two big critical infrastructures yeah. when it came to yeah. uh, a pandemic and yeah. risk. So it kind of, in a way, in a very sad circumstance, it validated the work we mm. do around really recognising, not just from a building's perspective, although that's really key in terms of climate change, 
on the pandemic, but also in terms of the people that actually use those buildings. Yeah. So young children and older people who who will struggle during yeah. a climate event if we haven't got the right uh, processes and, mm. and structures in place. So it, it kind of came from our policy area. The design of it is I kind of sat around with a couple of people and we said, well, what, what, how are we going to design this? What are we going to do? We knew we wanted to focus on the three main risks yeah. of uh, climate change. Do you want to change. tell us what they are? Because not everybody yeah, will, will sure. know those. So it, we know London's getting hotter. We know that from global temperatures. We mm. know that from the science. We know that from the climate projections from the Met's office. And the uh, various. And you're in no doubt about that. That's absolutely. quite clear. Yeah. It's very clear. The scientists have told us it's yeah. uh, it's very hard to refute the data that's coming yeah. out. Uh, we we've seen it. Even lay yeah. people have seen it. But if you if you want to have a pure scientific approach, mm. you've only got to look at the science that's coming out of the Met Office, but yeah. also the uh, various other academic bodies that sit and report to government mm. as well. Um, I won't bore you with all the acronyms, but there are endless, yeah. uh, Actually, that's bodies. something I loved about your report, that you had a, a breakdown at the start of it, not so much acronyms, but terminology, yeah. which is... Which, which is, is very important because yeah, we can't really. take it for granted. Yeah. Um, and actually, the public teaches that use simple language because mm. that's best and yeah, we all understand course, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the three risks um, for so, London uh, are heat, uh, heat yeah. absolutely, uh, flooding, okay. and water scarcity. Yeah. So we haven't had a drought for a so while. So that's interesting. It's flooding. I, I mean, obviously, I know this, but it, it's an interesting. As a geographer, it's interesting that you've got both. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. So why is that? So those are the ones that, if we have a uh, well, we know that from climate projections mm. because the London is. Uh, the climate is changing, our rivers are drying. So mm. when was the last time we had rain? Yeah, today, yeah, today, after weeks. And I, you know, I like the heat, but yeah, I was... Yeah, so I should I was, say where we are, shouldn't I? Yeah. So oh, sorry, sorry for barging in. That's all right. we're, we're in City Hall, inside City Hall. And we had to go, I had to go through all kind of yes. security and the COVID checks yeah. to get in. And the, the dream plan, which seemed really feasible a few weeks ago, was to sit outside on the lawn and do a lovely interview with um, City Hall in the background. Yeah. Um, but it's it's raining for yeah, the first time. For the first time yeah. in, in weeks. Yeah. So our rivers are drying up. River levels are going down. It mm. is getting hotter. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, if rivers are drying up, there's potential for drought. Yeah. And London is very prone to all those kind of shocks from yeah. climate change and the risks. Yeah. There are other risks. There's food scarcity is another issue. But just example. going back to that. So we've got heat and drought connected, but then flooding. So. Yeah. So, so how does flooding so come, ex- come ex- ex- extreme weather patterns due to the global warming due yeah. to, and, and due to the amount of carbon that we're putting yeah. into the, our environments uh, which is all having an impact yeah um, and then our kind of rivers having the shock I think that's for me as a teacher apart from it being frightening to schools and to all of us it, it's also really interesting as a geography teacher right. it's, it's a really kind of nice um what's the word conundrum will yeah, do yeah. um just um just the, the the challenge you wouldn't necessarily think at first sight no, that you get all this absolutely together. and you wouldn't necessarily think about it because you always imagine london to be very affluent to be able to bounce mm. back etc but actually 
we, 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 yeah, there are pockets of affluence. We know there of are course. huge inequalities. Yeah. But we do have the challenges of climate change. We're not immune as mm-hmm. a city. We're not immune. We've got very old buildings yeah. which are not climate-proof, do you yeah. know, which can't recover very well, quickly. In the report, didn't it say something like over 50% of schools are at least at medium risk of flooding, yeah. Yeah. which is quite a remarkable yeah. statistic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. absolutely. So that was what we scoped. We looked at those three risks. And then it's interesting you said about the use aspect that was very very central to Great. certainly to, to my approach is that this has got to be usable yeah. and this has got to be something that the kids are going to kind of want to get involved with but it gives teachers a resource and recognizing from the work I've done with schools learning from people like you mm. don't give teachers loads of resources that they have to kind of you know kind of trundle through give yeah. them something that's straightforward that they can use so and hence can the, adapt to, and, to yeah, their own needs and absolutely their own to their own curriculum yeah, that's yeah. timely so the checklist is always important so we always put checklists yeah. in and the we, if we we now always have a section on funding and resources yeah, because brilliant. i've heard so many times yeah. from teachers it's all very well you giving us this from city hall and the gla but how are we going to get the money and you know it's all very well you giving us loads of reports but you know we just want to know how to do it and i'm a little bit like that if i order something from ikea so i just go to the end of the instructions yeah and i then want to know I've yeah, got something and yeah. I, I, that's the analogy I do you go to start. the end of a novel too in yeah do exactly you? I do <laughs> I start maybe have like the first few sentences of the beginning and then go to the end and I think alright I can guess the bits in yeah, the middle which right. actually is really not a good approach to really enjoy a book <laughs> but yeah I'm not uh, I'm not very patient in that way and so that's what the analogy I kind of tend to draw with guidance is for schools is to try and give something that's yeah we do we do want to give people the kind of information the evidence you know how this arrived but we also want to give those who kind of have very busy lifestyles etc and who are yeah. very committed but just want give us a checklist so, and so tell when, us how to get funding when yeah so let's drill down a bit as they tend to say okay. um on the the funding which is obviously what every teacher is going to want to hear first um who who are the people the kind of people i know they can go to a report to find out more detail but who are the sort of people who are providing funding and and what sort of things are they providing funding for yeah it's a good question it, there's a variety mm. so we do some funding yeah. at city hall so we had a, a program for uh installing green infrastructure over two years uh, which aligned with the air quality schools program so some of the recommendations uh, in the school it. program was yeah. about installing green infrastructure now yeah. we know you have to put an awful lot of green infrastructure in a school to be able to eradicate air quality it has to be the right type of green yeah. infrastructure in the right place but one of the things that we we do at city hall is to say we recognize that we don't have the money for all of that but actually it's good education mm. and you know one of the things i feel very strongly in school and i've got no education background so correct me if i've missed the point here it's a <laughs> about how do you engage kids in the real touching and the feeling Mm. so you know green infrastructure allows them to help plant help choose to position it you know they go past it they see it grow and then you link it to the curriculum and then you know it's how does green infrastructure help to improve air quality how can I do it at home how can I do it at my nans how can I do it with my mates you know it's a communal thing you can involve children it it great I don't think you could have said it any better I mean that's exactly the sort of approach we right. have okay. uh, especially at sustainable schools and right. with um you know we're involved in london national park city at the right. moment, the schools network there yeah 
you know, that's very much the approach that we right. We would okay, have and it cuts back on uh, cultural barriers. You know, we 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 have so many diverse communities in London. Yeah. Kids coming from all kinds of backgrounds. This is such a common denominator where you know you can really break down those barriers so easily. Yeah. Um, so that that so 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 we do some uh, funding here. I don't know what the funding mechanism is at the moment, sure. but it'll be on our website if we do. And yeah. um, there are charitable organisations like for example. I won't name them. Yeah, because, they're you know, on, but they can find them in the report. They're in the report. And, and I guess the over virus, time there'll be new ones absolutely. coming Absolutely. We'll this yeah. administration is very keen on schools as well and supporting schools. Great. Uh, but there'll always be new things coming out all the time. Um, boroughs, some borough funding, yeah. local funding as well. Um, so it's all in the report where, where the funding can be sourced from. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as well as the funding, which is obviously very exciting, yeah. Um, one of the things I liked, and I came across some of these ideas in the Water for Schools project a while ago. Right. Um, I know it wasn't all uh, water projects, but do you want to talk through some of the, the different things that you could do? I know you've talked about trees, because they're quite a, a wide range from very simple to, to some more complex ideas. And, and, and some schools may know about them, but I suspect a lot won't. And they just made, I just got really excited when I saw them because I just think, you know, even without climate change and making the schools more um, climate resilient, they're pretty nice ideas anyway. A lot mm. of them. But do you want to talk us through some of those? Yeah. Some of your favourites. Some of favourites. So, so, um, so the, the um, gardens focused on those three risks I mm. mentioned. So it's heat, it's flooding, mm. and it's uh, water scarcity. Um, so some of the things around heat were things like, um, for example, uh, where you position, let's just start off with the children. So where you would position children in the classroom, uh, there's some of the stuff around kind of shading blinds, for example, um, the ex- coming in and out of classrooms of children, um, things like school uniforms. So, so just very coming in thing. and out of classroom. What yeah. do you mean? So it it depends on whether your school is south facing or wow. north facing. Is kind of you know is is yeah. it during a summer heat wave? Is it yeah. really hot in the morning? Yeah. Is it hotter when you come in one entrance yeah. and the other entrance? You might so have just really the simple practical. Really things. simple. The whole um, the whole approach of this garden, like the air quality was um, uh, audits, was to look at some of the soft measures, mm. some of the quick things that mm. didn't require money or was yeah. very intensive. Just almost just rethinking the layout of the school. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. and then moving towards bigger things. So, so just, yeah, before we go on to them, so in the report, you talked about the impact that heat, something like heat, could have on children. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit and why even those simple measures might be really, really beneficial? Yeah, sure. So um, we know that um, in terms of excess heat, that um, it, the, 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 the risk is greatest in the first three days so mortality increases if you can't adapt very quickly. Right, so it's yeah. really important yeah. for young children and older people to be able to adapt quickly. Yeah. The challenge is that kids don't always know that. Yeah. And older people can't always, if you're frail elderly in a care home, it's quite difficult. Mm. So we've got to find a way of helping kids do that. And schools are so central to this because kids spend an awful long time yeah. in schools in yeah. hot weather and as well as cold weather, etc. 
Um, and so um, simple measures um, really help to cool down mm. the body temperatures. So things like uh, school uniforms, you know, lightweight clothes, cotton yeah. clothes, really yeah. simple things. Maybe uh, changing the timings. So, I'm not. I'm sitting here listening, and it, it sounds so obvious because when almost when you started talking, I thought, I wonder if Annette's going to say things that we all know. But then you said school uniforms, and I thought. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. We probably just get the same uniforms for kids. And yeah. They, you know, that's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. interesting. When I was a kid, we had a winter uniform and a summer Did you? uniform. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder we how had many a summer dress. Have, maybe, maybe schools do, and I just don't know. Yeah. Yet, we had a cotton summer dress yeah. and we had like heavy blazers. Yeah. In, in in the winter it was interesting yeah. um but um other other things around changing maybe you know kids coming in at a, a kind of different time so yeah. maybe coming okay. in a bit like they do abroad they go yeah. very early yeah. in spain uh, i don't know if they still do this they used to go very early and then come home before yeah. the kind of you know afternoons um, timings when it gets very hot yeah. uh, and hence the siesta yeah sure uh, and then kind of go back later which is on. just complete sense yeah. isn't it and, and yeah. maybe yeah maybe that's it part of we maybe just have to accept that we're going that way yeah it's maybe not not quite to spain's level but yeah. yeah and then things like some of the bigger things are obviously providing shading and cooling you mm. know things like more efficient boilers yeah you know um things like uh and making sure you have passive cooling keeping doors open in terms of corridors, not relying on ventilation because that actually is not good. We know for kids, mm. we know from COVID actually. But if you can rely on passive cooling as much as you can. You that's, so rather than like sticking a ventilator in, in and spreading right. the kind of yeah. uh, the cool you air. You mean open windows. Try to open the yeah. windows. But the, the thing is, what we always say is, um, yeah, and I think the public find this quite difficult. I remember when I first heard it, I found it a bit strange, is you shut, the, you shut, put, shut down the blinds yeah. and you close the yeah. curtains if you're at home, for example, uh, and you close the windows. So you don't open the windows oh. during the heat. Because oh, you're really? letting the heat in. You're oh, actually letting the heat in, yeah. Um, so you close all that because that's what cools a building yeah. and cools our body temperature. Yeah. You open when it gets cooler. Or you could open first thing in the morning mm. before it starts to get very hot so that the building is cooled. Uh, and then you uh, let the don't let the heat in. Yeah. So it seems like closing the blinds yeah. are really important, which kids yeah. might find a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. But actually, if you can relate to them while you do it, and it does cool the the thermal temperature but actually there are schools who have to put in ventilation so yeah. it's about putting yeah. the right type of ventilation in as well yeah as well as I guess, air quality if you remember. I guess you've got to start where you are haven't you yeah. and if you're in a school that's had a new building and that's and I think part of our school building has some some in it and I guess that's what you've got and it, you've got to adapt. Yeah, um, absolutely. Maybe you don't have the money to retrofit it all straight away. No, and we know like with energy efficiency, so uh, with some of the modern schools now, because we know that energy efficiency measures are mandated and we have to make sure that uh, buildings are tight and energy mm. efficient. What can happen is that they're made so tight that in the summer they're absolutely boiling and it yeah. has the unintended consequence. Yeah. So it is about making sure you get efficient energy efficiency um, gadgets or, and boilers, etc. 
Uh, and there are all kinds of organisations that can help with that. You know, there's the Energy Trust, there's Groundwork for London. Are they, are they London. in the reports? A lot, a lot of they them should are. be in the report. Yeah. I'm sure they, we've re- referenced yeah. them in terms of where you can yeah, also get really. the advice and are, help. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, and at, the, uh, at the Greater London Authority, Julie, we also have a team that can advise on energy efficiency in okay, schools. Great. So we run that. Yeah. Things like solar panels, yeah. that kind of thing, really yeah. are important. Putting in the right shading from yeah. a kind of GI point of view. Yeah. Uh, sustainable urban drainage yeah, in terms well, of sad tell us about drainage. that because that's one of my favorite things really I well actually i don't know very much okay. about that but my colleague if you ever want to t- be stuck in a room <laughs> and if you are really passionate this guy will be your best Perfect. bestest friend george warren in fact yeah. he's just got an award for suds has he and he will talk his the hind legs of Top a donkey about suds. It's his passion. So, so it's sustainable urban, urban drainage. drainage. So system. fundamentally, it's we know that we have excess water, particularly as a result of flooding. Yeah. We have very old drains. Yeah. Uh, and the kids will know this, possibly. Uh, and uh, or Basilgate. And the drains are, are actually not replaceable necessarily in terms of water don't have the money we know this from our schools probably don't have the money to replace them so what tends to happen is that the water sits on the the surface what we want to do is allow that water to drain Mm. uh, and drain in in into the drains rather than sit on surface but we also want to try and do that through natural means so we try and put plants in that will kind of evaporate the water but also provides us with the biodiversity that we have so there are co-benefits and it's slow it's slow the pace down as well, absolutely it? Yeah. and it has cooling effects yeah. Oh, yeah. as well thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're trying to look at cool pavements as well as really? part of the sustainable urban drainage yeah, so how yeah. do you, uh, how do we use the right materials for okay. pavements when when uh, councils are uh, redoing their pavements That's interesting. pavements that actually uh, evaporize the, the water um, wow, so that, yeah, yeah, it's a long word, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I probably don't know what it means. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, but George is the guy, and there is a section on suds. And in fact, I'm yeah, glad you is. asked, yeah. Martin, because there's specific guidance for schools on the suds and schools. Brilliant. So that's Brilliant. in the report as yeah, well. No. So and they are quite easy to put in, I think, and they're not that expensive. Yeah, to and do. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I know a little bit about them, but what I like is that they can start from very simple things can't they just almost rain garden type things to 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 more quite complex things um yeah and your friend george warren Warren, (laughs) um he sounds great i might give him a ring do do give him a ring he's a he really it will be interested in coming to talk to any of the teachers in the schools etc and of course the other thing we want to do which we've got in the report are green roofs yeah so yeah. good for cooling, good for air quality, yeah. good for biodiversity, good for drainage. Yeah. They're the perfect antidote to anything that we do now is how do we kind of do the green stuff is yeah. the big thing. Uh, stick a green roof, you know, um, as long as it doesn't uh, need a lot of maintenance. It's yeah, fantastic we, we, and educationally. We have one at school and it's right. brilliant and it did leak this year. Oh, right. But, but they fixed it and I think the school really does want to keep it. Okay. We've had it for quite a long time. Right. It's brilliant. Is and it? It's, yeah, and it's only a small... We had a new studio built and they put put it on a sedum roof. 
Um, but you know the birds are on it it changes colour with the different seasons oh, it's kind of fantastic. it's halfway between the first and second floor so when you walk in on the top corridor you see it and change and sometimes quite high plants on it other times oh, it's very low brilliant. it is lovely in so many ways yeah. but, but you say that's really good just generally yeah it's good it has so many co-benefits so many co-benefits from a, a, a climate change point of view and an air quality point of view and, and great I, education for children yeah and I guess because again I've said this in previous podcasts we're lucky at our school. We have a lot of green space, but right. a green roof is something that maybe more urban schools with less green space could do. Um, it may, may not be space that kids could walk on, but they could maybe green the roof and it, it gives them that too. So that, yeah, that's great. And even if it's like, I don't know, if it's where the, I, do, I might be showing um, myself up here not knowing much about how schools function, but even if it's the caretaker shed, yeah, and you've got a little Perhaps. tiny little grass patch on yeah. top of that shed. It's such good ed- education. Uh, I mean, I kind of got that message from the report that, it, and it, you know, I've said this before about another organisation, but it felt like a report that you could do. Start with what you can do, and then Absolutely. build on it. And I, I really like that. Instead of, oh, it's too much. Well, it's a lovely yeah. idea, but we'll never do it. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it, it felt like a report where you start to almost think about, okay, where are the areas in our school that we know flood all the time? Or where are the areas that are hotspots? Teachers will know those things. And it might just be just a quick look at the report and it gives them some idea. And I guess that's that was your entire aim, uh, wasn't Absolutely. It? And, you know, having worked with schools for a long time, I've really learned a lot from teachers and, and recognised just how pressurised they are and how committed they are to this agenda. But mm. it's not always a priority because there are so many other priorities. Um, and COVID has, has kind of really opened our eyes to what teachers do and the pressures. So yeah. when we do stuff for schools, we've all, I've always we've always got that in mind. Yeah. You know, we want to get the message across. We want it. The audience needs to be the children and the teachers, but we need to make it usable and accessible and easy to use and, and have the funding. So that's always at the back of my mind. Yeah, that's brilliant. Have you got, because um, I know in a bit we're going to talk about your top tips and uh, lesson plans ideas that we've got our lesson plan idea but um what what are, what are you working on at the moment is it is it still this report or have you moved on to something new and exciting well um, interesting cool roofs oh really yeah so that's the next big thing like is that um is that, we, the, is that what you call it? what we want to do is move to to making london a cool city yeah so cool as it's cool, yeah. um, but it's cool it's in, nice from a climate actually. change. Yeah. So, you know, we've got cool care homes, we've got cool hospitals, mm. we've got cool schools, mm. cool pavements. Cool schools, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool, cool nurseries, cool pavements, yeah. Yeah. cool roofs, you know. So we really get the message across that London's a great place. It's a mm. kind of double whammy, double meaning. Yeah, it's a great place. It's a cool place to be yeah. here. Yeah. But we also recognise that we've got to cool it because of yeah. climate change. So my my project at the moment is um, trying to scope out a, a project where we can um, get some funding to do some modelling uh, for how what it what London would look like if we had a cool roof on every roof. And the other um, the other project that I'm going to pick up is the the cool spaces project. So we've launched the phase one, which is creating spaces where during a summer heat wave or excess heat, people can go and access cool spaces. So one oh, of the things right. we learned from COVID was the inequities around accessing green spaces wow. by some groups. But we all 
also this is something That's we were doing. That's interesting. So you picked that up during COVID. Yeah, but we yeah. also were going to do this project I'm before COVID. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to do this before that. So okay. we had everything in place, yeah. and we were going to work with uh, schools, with yeah. uh, um, faith-based organisations, yeah. uh, so if, uh, churches and mosques, with gyms, with boroughs, with uh, um, it's such pubs. exciting work you do.
a year later they've seen their oh, seed grow. Nice. They know that can have an impact on yeah. kind of flooding if yeah, you grow more yeah. and more, etc. Uh, and it has an effect on our globe, you know, yeah. globally as well. And then the last thing, which I think is really important, is celebrating. Yeah. You know, celebrating achievements. Something has grown. That's fantastic. That's going to have an impact. Yeah. You know. So those are my three uh, tips. Um, and in terms of the lesson plan, it's how do you take, for example, how do you take our guidance? Maybe translate that. Brilliant. into the so, take, taking aspects and then some of the learning so what you've tasked me to do is to um look at the guidance and come up with a lesson plan and then send it back to you in between us we'll try and put it into something that we both like and then we'll put it out there for everybody to see based on the guidance so you know my my uh, you know i've already said i love the lesson the, the guidance but i think the potential for great lessons from it is amazing. So we just want to come up with one as a kind of an exemplar on what teachers could do. Um, so that's great. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, it does sound like a plan. <laughs> Shall we wrap it up and clear we'll the wrap building? It up. Yeah, my message is around preparing, responding and recovering. Preparing, responding and, and recovering. recovering. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. My pleasure. It's been great working with you, Martin. And ditto. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Doorways to Sustainable Schools podcast. Please subscribe to us on your favourite podcast player. Don't forget to look out for us in two weeks' time when we'll have another inspirational story from somebody I know you're going to love. See you in two weeks. Two weeks.